the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website. www.thebiblelive888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. tonight. Thank you for joining us and giving us an opportunity to be a part of your evening as well, wherever you might be in the highways and byways of this great city of San Antonio, across South Texas, or maybe just there in the garage or tooling around the house, or maybe even just uh, in a favorite chair, listening to the scriptures, listening to the programming here. We'd, wherever you are, thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting us uh, letting me be a part of your evening. Stacy is again not with me tonight. She's got a, a three-week-old three baby. Uh, that's a good reason. <laughs> that's a good reason uh, taken care of. And uh, it, they're, they're doing the sleepless nights thing as, as a, their family now. Everybody, little Ellie has got them all jumping through her hoops. So uh, anyway, she's uh, with the family tonight. They've had a big weekend. And so I said, Stacy, you take a night off, relax, and uh, she'll be with us as soon as she can. She loves to go through the scriptures with us, and um, she has a great, great insight and um, some great contributions to make uh, from the younger generation, the female perspective, and so on. So I enjoy having Stacy along with me always here on our journey through the Bible. And that is what the Bible Live is all about. We are making our way through the Bible, through the entire Bible every year. We've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second uh, Ruth, First and, and now we're first and we're finishing up First and Second Samuel. We've also in the New Testament read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, we'll finish the book of Second Samuel tomorrow night, Monday evening will be our last reading from the the last chapters 20 uh chapter 22 and forward I believe it is in the book of second Samuel we'll finish up those books 22 23 let me just check I got it right here in front of me 24 we'll read through those books finish up the book of second Samuel and then on Tuesday evening we will return now to the to the Greek New Testament and we will pick it up there with the Gospel of John, which is to many, for very, very many folks, uh, the favorite 
of the Gospels. I, I can't say it actually favorite, but boy, it is really a delight to always a delight to get back in the full uh, <clears throat> in the full light of the uh, of the Messiah Himself, having come and uh, getting into the era of of harvest time, the the last days, as the Bible calls them, these last two thousand years since the ascension of Jesus of Nazareth are what the Bible calls the end times, the last days, uh, the, the kingdom age, the time of the church, um, God's people spread. And, and, of course, the explosion of the God's kingdom and the understanding of God's kingdom and his plan out of the confines, to some degree, the confines of, mid, of the Middle East uh, into uh, the whole world with the, uh, with the birth, life, ministry, the good news of the gospel began to spread in in the more powerful way than ever before to all of the nations of the world. Um, as you remember, in the book of Acts, the after Jesus was uh, had ascended into glory, the disciples were told to wait in Jerusalem in prayer until the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. And that's still the process. That's still the the stage of uh, the redemptive plan that we are in after these 2,000 years. Now the gospel has been proclaimed in every nation, every people group, every language all around planet Earth. There are millions and millions of followers of the Messiah, those who have come into the right relationship with uh, God the Father with the, with God himself through the work of the Messiah uh, by faith and trust in Yeshua. So now the people of God is always always what true Jer- Jerusalem is all about and true Israel is all about. Uh, that is something we've tried to emphasize and help you to understand uh, very clearly is that the the even in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and so even after God had chosen Abraham to work with him uh, and in him and through him to bring about uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Joseph, and then the the people of uh, Joseph, uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel, so they became the children of Israel, the, the people group, a nation that God brought out of Egypt, uh, the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes, plus many, many others from other nations and two also that uh, that had begun to follow after Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they became the, the earthly type of the people of God. They became an earthly God working in them, with them, and through them to bring about, uh, to keep them vision, keep a, a uh, message of the Messiah alive, uh, to all of the nation groups that ro- rose up around them. There was Egypt, there was Assyria, there was um, the, oh, I'll, I'll think of it in just a moment. Uh, then there was uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and Greece and so on. And Israel was right there in the middle, this little people group, this little piece of real estate that was to maintain a witness of the true and living God uh, through those centuries. And they did that, uh, kind of hit and miss, uh, sometimes uh, mostly miss, but at times with great, particularly under King David, with great influence and effectiveness of 
letting others know about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, of course, the tr- the prophets figured into that process, the great prophets uh, that came, that God raised up in in the nation, in the people group of the Israel uh, during these years of the kings, you know, the judges and the kings and so on. So uh, there we have it. God is always working throughout the Hebrew Scriptures from the very beginning. Remember always that it, God is always loving the whole world. Every person, every baby born on the planet Earth, every human being, God was revealing himself to them, mostly through general revelation, uh, the nature around us, uh, the seasons, the sun, the moon, the stars. God is revealing himself to creator and calling out of all the nations and people groups a people for himself, those who would seek after, even then, those who came to God, even in those pre-Messianic era, um, those who came to God with trust and faith and longing. This is all explained in the book of Romans as Paul lays, goes back and, and outlines how God dealt with the people uh, before that even they, when they were received into God's presence, when they were received as part of the people of God, part of Israel, that's what the the deepest, truest meaning of the word Israel is. It's the people of God, those who have wrestled with God and won, those who have come to by faith into uh, a right relationship with the true and living God, the Creator. And the means by which that happened, even before Messiah came, uh, the Messiah was the means by which God was able to receive repentant, uh, trusting human beings into a relationship with himself. Uh, so the, the, whole, the whole Bible essentially, ultimately, is about the redemptive plan of one who made the redemptive plan of God uh, active and, and powerful was the Messiah who came and carried out the work of the Redeemer, the work the work that he had to do on our behalf, uh, uh, substitutionary atonement, that he came and carried that out on our behalf. So even those born before Jesus uh, was on the planet, those who came to God by faith and trust in him, those we read about in the Bible, there are many of them in the Hebrew Scriptures, outside of the people of of, or the kings or other connection with Israel or, or not, those who came into a right relationship with God did so on the basis of the work of the Messiah, the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. He is the only means by which sinful fallen human beings are reconciled to a holy and just but loving and merciful God, a gracious God. And so that's that's the idea. And I've repeated over and over again uh, that it's important that you take that you understand that when you read the word Israel in the Bible, and of course we read all about it in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, over and over again, and the New Testament, we read the idea of Israel from the time Jacob's name is changed to Israel uh, and following. And you always have to make sure you understand what is the context? What is it talking about? Is it talking literally about uh Jacob, who's the the 70 or so that went down into Egypt, and in uh, 400 years later there were perhaps upward of 2 million or more uh, in population and coming out of of Israel, and then out of, I'm I'm sorry, out of Egypt, and then led by Moses, they spend uh, 40 years 
wandering in the wilderness when they refused to go into Canaan the first time. And then uh, under Joshua's leadership, they go in and they begin the conquest of the promised <coughs> land that God had promised to Abraham and to his descendants. And then you begin the 325-year or so period of the judges. And then you come to this one named Samuel, who is a transition from the time of the emphasis on the priesthood into an emphasis on the prophets of God. So about 1050 B.C., Saul is anointed by, uh, by Samuel to be the king of uh, Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. <laughs> The, the nation state that the, the, the had been established with the people, uh, the descendants of Abraham and those other many, many others who were uh, who were uh, converts who had begun like like Ruth, for example, who was a Moabitess, but became part of Israel because of her faith in God. So Saul becomes king in about 1050 B.C. before Christ. He reigns for 40 years. Then David becomes king. In 1010, um, actually, uh, he becomes king over Judah, as we read about in our readings tonight. But about seven and a half years later, he is taken and acknowledged as king over all the 12 tribes. The, the, uh, only the tribes of uh, Judah and Benjamin king over all of uh, Israel. Then his son Solomon becomes king after him, the fourth child of Bathsheba, uh, Solomon becomes king after David. And by this time, of course, David reigns during the Golden Age and brings Israel to greatness and to wealth and to great influence and power. Solomon, uh, generally speaking, begins well with a vision and a trust and faith in God, but but then uh, falls away, does not live up to his potential and in taxation. And then when Solomon dies, the nation divides then with his son Rehoboam continuing to, to lead Judah and Benjamin in the south. And Jeroboam, another um, member of the royal family but distant, he takes the ten northern tribes and they break off. So that's a little bit of the history up till now we've come through. Uh, but the thing is, is you have to keep an eye Israel can mean the nation state, the people, that chosen people group of Israel. And God had a covenant with them, but it was an earthly covenant. If they would follow him and trust him and obey him, he would preserve them as a nation, bless them, and he would, um, and on the second part of it, he would through them bring the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, the, the what the New Testament calls the last Adam, the the one who would purchase our freedom and the redemption of all the people of God throughout the ages, and so that were they were to keep that part. Now that the, the that was God's part. That was the that was the heavenly part that He was going to bring through them, uh, the Messiah. And so God works throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. You see God working to preserve them, protect them. Yes, He disciplines them. Yes, terrible things happens. In the people of Israel, the nation state of Israel, uh, the people group, uh, terrible things happen in them, around them, to them. But God preserved. The, uh, God has promised to himself even that he would bring about this uh, this salvation for all of humanity. So there, 
there you have a little bit of the picture we are we are following. So as we go through these books, we're following the experience of Israel, the physical Israel. We are following the experiences of the people of God, broader than just Israel, uh, particularly and especially after Messiah comes. But even before, we see God working. Uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes and uh, through Daniel and the others works and deals in them. Many of the, there becomes a great reverence and respect for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and um, and great things are accomplished with them. Even Nebuchadnezzar and and later on through the other. Persian emperors, great things are accomplished that continue to assure uh, that Israel will be there as a people group existing so that the Messiah can come through them uh, and, and be brought into the world. So we see that. Then it comes down, of course, to Greece and into Rome, in the Roman era and the times. And that is the perfect time then in the time uh, of Rome for the Messiah to come into the world because of the Pax Romana, the peace that, that Rome had brought about, the Roman roads, the protection not only of the of the military, but also the, the ease in traveling, those roads that were built and the sea, ro- sea, sea ways that were open and protected by Rome. And then by the lingua franca, the common language of, of Greek that was left from the uh, synagogues all across. And those synagogues were brought about by the the destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of the people of Israel throughout uh, the empire, throughout the Roman Empire, so that now you have these little potted plants, spiritual potted plants, waiting to receive the seed, the knowledge of the Messiah, understanding the long-held promises and assurances that God is sending a Messiah, a Savior, a Redeemer, and they were ready to receive the announcement of His coming all across the Roman Empire. So, uh, as Paul and the apostles began to preach the uh, birth, the good news of redemption, of salvation, of forgiveness and cleansing, uh, and, and eternal life spread like wildfire across the Roman Empire and has never, never stopped. Now, for 2,000 years, that message has spread and spread all across the world until today. Uh, it, it is certainly, certainly very near the point where all the nations of the world have heard the message of the gospel, and there are people of God. There, there Israel, spiritual Israel, now exists all over and known by people all over the planet, from every nation, every tribe, every language group around the land, around the planet. So that is essentially the story of the scriptures. That's that is what the 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 incredible divine spiritual drama that is played out and and brought forward to us through the scriptures and we can watch it we can see it which it's still going on uh the work of god in in calling out of people from the human race calling out of people for himself uh, i will be their god they will be my people so when you're israel you're not all it doesn't always refer to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants, that people group, it does not always uh, refer to the the physical land. The physical land of Israel is also a type, a picture of uh, of the new Jerusalem and the and the new the new world that God has for His people. That we will be with Him uh, in in the new in a new Jerusalem, uh, and so. You have to understand these meanings, and so you don't come into uh, era 
uh, in the early 1800s is when they began really to push this era that uh, pushing the importance of the nation state of Israel. It had its place. It had its role. Uh, the people of Israel are st- millions of of uh, Jewish men and women through the centuries who have embraced uh, their Messiah, the Lord Jesus, as their Messiah, and part and thus become not only a part uh, in in physical biological terms, perhaps part of that legacy of faith from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they have indeed become part of true Israel, the people of God purchased for redemption through the redemptive work of the Messiah. And so uh, today we, of course, uh, there is no biblical theological reason uh, to revere uh, Israel or the you know, the nation state of Israel over on the far end of the Mediterranean. There are lots of perhaps natural reasons, um, economy or they're, they're, it's very dangerous. They're, they've been an ally through these years. But there's no and, and there are reasons in to support Israel, the nation state in that sense. But there's no biblical theological reason to support the biblical the the, the Israel that we are to revere and that God is pledged to uh, protect and preserve uh, those who uh, who love and protect God's people. God will protect and love as well and honor. So it's the people of God and knowing which Israel is being referred to. And, and of course, the biggest, truest understanding of Israel is the the people of God, of whom Jesus is the firstborn of the twiceborn. The, uh, he, all of this fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah. And God made this graphically, beautifully obvious, uh, even in the, after the time of Messiah, uh, Jerusalem is destroyed once again and scattered all over the Roman Empire, never to be having uh, been brought together during that time of harvest all these years. Now, we do not. It's a great controversy even to this day. It, um, it, it's just a, it's a political, geopolitical reality. There's no doubt about it. But, but then that, that Israel has nothing. There's no theological or biblical connection. with. Mo, I mean, almost all the people of that nation are Christ deniers. It's not, it's not a people of God. There are believers, some believers and Christians there, but it's one of the most anti-Christian, anti-Christ uh, uh, got to, these things are very, very important that you get. I don't point them out very often, but it's it's good for us to understand, especially now as we're making our way through the prophets uh, from the time of the judges, now into the time of Samuel, the time of the kings, Saul, and then David, and then Solomon, and then we'll move on from there in to the time of the kings, the kingdom divided. Uh, for about 130-something years, the kingdom is divided there. Uh, 208 years divided, and then in 722 B.C., Assyria, uh, 136 later in, years later in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes and destroys Jerusalem and takes them into exile uh, for those 70 years of exile before they are returned and and all of this, this is the Hebrew Scriptures. This is the book that we've been reading through uh, in the Old Testament, what we call the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And then uh, we'll be going back to the book of John and after this uh, one more reading in the book of Second Samuel. 
So look, I've, I'm trying to give you as often as I can an overview uh, as you read through your Bible. I'd like for you to be able to begin to uh, make your way and think your way through the entire Bible, the Old Testament, um, the books of the Torah, and then you get into the books of history, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, Samuel, Kings, and and, and uh, so on, and into the jud- into the time of the prophets, and we'll we'll show you and, and can show you when the prophets prophesied, in which in the times of which kings, uh, both of um, of Israel and Judah in the south, the times in which the the prophets exercised their ministry until the time of the destruction of the temple, and then the return of the exiles from Babylon, and you have the post-exilic prophets at the end of the Old Testament. And then Messiah comes in the time of John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament style. We are often running in the kingdom era, the time of the church, the last 2,000 years. So that's a big, big overview of the Bible, its theme. I hope it helps you. We've got our music coming up, so now we need to take our break. We'll come back and finish uh, our comments and looking through the book of Second Samuel now in our second segment. If you have a question or a thought uh, about anything I've shared now or about the passages we read this last week, give me a call, 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Right back. Stay with us. I can I am his child, and I can place all my trust in him. I can trust Jesus. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, the church on fire. Oh, from our lips to God's ears that the church would rise up. And the world needs us to be the church as often as many there may be voices out there who resent God and rebel against God. Still, there's a great desire that the church must be the church. We must be God's people. They need us to be 
the people of God. And so uh, that's a very, very great song to remind us of that truth. But Church on Fire, let's keep praying that we would be indeed the people of God and, and let our light shine brightly as we were challenged to do by the Messiah himself. Let's go now. We're into the book of Second Samuel. We've come to the, the time, uh, the transition from the judges uh, under. And now we've come to the time of Samuel, who is a, a protege of Eli, the high priest of that era and time. We've talked about Eli. We've talked about um, Samuel. We've talked about Saul. And then David, uh, we've heard the story of Abigail and her husband Nabob and how uh, he got crosswise with David and his men. Nabob dies, and Abigail becomes David's first wife. Then Jonathan is the son of Saul, and how Jonathan and David form a a wonderful friendship. Uh, Saul is very not to be. It was clear that David was his the God's choice uh, through the prophet through Samuel himself, and Jonathan respected that and was was content to be a friend and supporter of his friend David. Uh, very, very interesting picture of friendship between them. But then as we ended up the book of First Samuel, then we saw the death of Jonathan, uh, his brothers, all of Saul's sons. Then Saul's son Ishbosheth uh, is left. He remains. And he is, becomes uh, the choice of the ten northern tribes, to be the king, uh, whereas David, with the support of Benjamin and, and, and Judah in the south, and there began a time of, of a civil war, but David will not fight. David will not attack. Uh, he, he had several opportunities, actually, even to kill, as you well remember, I'm sure, if you've listened through the passages with us, David had several opportunities to kill um, Saul, even as Saul was pursuing him uh, with deadly intentions, of course. Uh, but but he did not do that. David wanted to be God's man in God's way to touch God's anointed, the king uh, of Israel himself. And he did not. And God did bring about his uh, un, uh, the fruition of his anointing. How many years did David have to wait after he was anointed by Samuel, when he was about 12 or 14 years of age, how many years did David have to wait before he became the king? Before that that anointing that Samuel gave him in the presence of his father and his brothers, uh, before, uh, after that anointing that, that Samuel gave on David has all these psalms where he talks, they that wait upon the Lord. We, we, I waited patiently on the Lord. He... He knew about waiting. Uh, it's kind of like um, Abraham having to wait for. Remember, Abraham was told he was going to have a baby with Sarah. They, she was too old to have children. He was too old to have children, and yet uh, they were told by God that they were going to have a, a child. How how many years did Abraham have to wait for that to come about? Twenty five years. <laughs> So I guess God waited, made them wait a long time just to make sure they knew she? it was him. How old was she? She was 100, I believe, 100, 101. I believe Sarah was. was, it was the- I think so. Long time, long wait. We have to look it up. Um, someone can correct me if they'd like. Give us a call. 
Now that's a that's something someone might call me about if they get a chance now, to correct dumb, me. Dumb question, but someone at a hundred back at that time, yeah, someone at a hundred at that time would that be the same? I mean, physically, would they be in the same shape as? Someone? But I, I don't. I, I don't a know. One, a one hundred year old. I mean, I know. I know. It's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah may have been ninety. 90, only 99. Uh, I, I'm oh, trying okay. to remember. Well, then a year, <laughs> oh, yeah. a what a difference a year makes, right? Um, but that's 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 generally speaking the the waiting uh, 25 years. David too has to wait 25 years for his anointing to take effect and to actually become the king over uh, Israel. He, in fact, is he at first he's the king only of Judah and Benjamin. And they wait for seven and a half years. They go through a kind of a, a miniature civil war with the tribes of military commander, a man named Abner, uh, who was his father's g- commanding general. And David has his uh, Joab, his general. And so they, neg- they, they go back and forth for seven and a half years, negotiating, trying to figure out who's going. And finally then, Meshibofeth, um, not Meshibofeth, but um, Ishbosheth is assassinated by, he was assassinated by uh, a man named Rechab and Bana. And um, even when David hears about what they did, they were, in fact, uh, executed as well for having murdered the king, uh, Ishbosheth. Uh, it's so interesting that David wanted, he wanted to be king, he knew he was supposed to be king. But he had to be king in the right way, that in not by taking or, or Ishbosheth. Uh, David's that is part of the idea of David being a man after God's own heart. He did, he valued the things of God. He understood them, and he um, and he wanted to not only to do what God wanted him to do, but he wanted to do things God's way. And even when he made a mistake, which we read about. The, the, in our last week's readings, uh, the great, great, terrible uh, sin adultery with a, a neighbor, the wife of one of his generals, one of his mighty men in his military, uh, and then he has he turns around and has uh, that man. What is his name? Can you give me the name of that? The who was this man that that was one of David's mighty men? He was part of David's military, loyal. He was a convert to Jehovah, uh, to God, and and followed after God. But David committed adultery with his wife, and then he maneuvered uh, committing uh, murder, having him put in the front lines, telling his general, put this man up in the front lines, and then when the battle is hot, have our men pull back so he will be killed. And... Um, I think that's what they call fragging in our modern military terms, and they had he had one of his own generals killed, um, a, a terrible wickedness, and he went for eleven, uh, seven through eleven. He went about a whole year, uh, thinking that he had kept his uh, secret that nobody knew. Evidently, I I don't know, I, you know. Sometimes we can really deceive ourselves when we uh, are lying to ourselves. But David went a long time, but then a prophet came and confronted a brave, courageous prophet of God. He said, you're the man. You're, you're the one. 
that is sinned against God. He told a story. He told a story, uh, uh, and maybe you can tell me uh, who was that prophet and what was the story that he told that uh, was used to lead David to acknowledge his sin. And that he could have had the prophet killed. And he could have tried to keep it a secret and still hide uh, his sin. But he didn't. He he owned up to his sin. He acknowledged his sin to the Lord. And he, and he wrote Psalm 51 about that experience. I acknowledge my sin unto the Lord. And, and about his the his confessing, his acknowledging, his saying the same thing about his sin that God said. And that's part of being a, a man after God's heart on heart is not the fact that we're sinlessly perfect. We never make a mistake. But when we are confronted, when God deals with our sin uh, through uh, a brother or sister or just even in our own heart and conscience, we acknowledge that sin to God. We, we, we agree with God about it and, and we turn from it. We trust God for his forgiveness. And see, take away the power of sin out of our life as well. Uh, that is what part part of what made David a man after God's own heart. That and the fact that he saw the plan, he understood what God was doing. It was it was about a place in in the redemptive plan of God, but he saw that it was much bigger than just him and just his own people group. It was about the whole world. God, the Creator, was was calling out of the people from every nation, every tribe, every language group. For himself, and and David was sure to to proclaim that God, the God of his, Abraham, in so many ways. So that's what David made David a man after God's own heart. If you know the name of that courageous prophet, I'd like you to give me a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you know the name of this general, and uh, which produced a child, but then. Uh, what was the name of this general, this commander of his in his troops in his army that David had um, killed very effectively? What was his name? He's one of the mighty men that, that is quoted at the end of his book of Second Samuel. David has a list of his thirty. He was not a Hebrew. He was not of a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the flesh. He was a convert to follow after. The uh, after Jehovah, he was one who, like Ruth, who followed after uh, Jehovah and worshipped God as the true and living God. So, um, very, very interesting story there. If you know the answer, give us a call. I'd like to hear you t- tell me the answer. And, and when, when they had their, their son um, Isaac, if you can, if you'd like to do that, give me a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's continue then. We're in the book of Second Samuel. And by the way, if you don't listen to this program every Sunday evening, uh, you might not know that we read through the entire Bible every year. And I used to do that here on the radio for many, many years, from 2001 to, to about 2013 or 14, 13, 14, somewhere there. Then we moved our, uh, maybe 15, we moved at thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com. You go there, and uh, every week, Monday through Friday, you'll find uh, a 15 to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures, and you can, we'll continue to read through the, the entire Bible every year, and you can 
pick it up on your cell phone and can get online if it's in your vehicle. Uh, you can do it there and uh, your your phone and whatever. And you can hear and read through the scriptures again, continue to listen through the, the entire Bible every year, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weekday, Monday through Friday, is to review the scriptures that we read just this past week. And that is from the mainly, mostly from the entire book of Second Samuel, chapter 2 through 21. We'll finish up the book of First Sam, Second Samuel on Monday night, tomorrow night, and then we'll leave the Hebrew scriptures for a spell and go back to the New Testament where we've uh, we've read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we will read the Resurrection Sunday, the Easter season coming up. Uh, we'll be reading about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead at the time of the uh, Easter Sunday. So uh, join with us. You can do that uh, through, as we make our way through the scriptures. Go through it. Maybe a group of friends at work. You could listen to the scriptures and then have a, uh, a meeting together. Maybe take at the website. You'll find a lot of, of of articles and there's some learn and I take a lot of the questions that I ask you here on the radio program from our website there so you can find questions that will aid you in remembering and picking up on the key people and the key events uh, of these Hebrew all the scriptures that we read together so uh, join us here on the Bible live as we make our way through the Bible every year now we're in the time now of King David he Love the Lord. He sinned. He made a terrible mistake, and not only that, not only his commanding general and so on, uh, and he paid a price consequences for those. Uh, but he, uh, but he confessed his sin to God. He he acknowledged his sin. He asked God's forgiveness, trusted God for forgiveness, and and moved forward in his life. And that is one of the key elements we see in what made him a man after God's own heart. So we're reading about David. We uh, were, uh, while Jerusalem, his army was out fighting. It says that David David stayed home while his army was out doing the battling. And uh, he got himself in trouble. And maybe that's a good word for us as well, to stay busy doing what God has called us to do. And, and don't create, what is the, the old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. And maybe our idle hands when we not doing what God has called us to do, Christ, the church groups that we're part of, going on mission trips and helping and doing good in the name of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, then at times when we, uh, and, uh, even as David was. So maybe that's a good lesson for us as well. Um, but anyway, God uh, continues forward with uh, David and he is forgiven. He moves forward. The prophet comes and confronts him. Remember, I've asked you, can you give me the name of this courageous prophet and who are called by God to keep alive the vision of who God is and what he's doing, his redemptive plan and his presence and uh, his desire to work in and through and with uh, not only the people group of Israel uh, as such, but also through all Israel, the people of God. And we come into that relationship through the avenue of faith, uh, based on the finished work of the Jesus, the Messiah, we have this Messiah Redeemer. So uh, we we have these prophets now who come and keep alive that vision, and they confront these kings, many of whom, almost all of whom, in fact, do not follow after God. Particularly the kings of the North. beginning, they take steps to disobey the laws of God. The, the 
the laws of Moses to abandon the worship of God in the temple in Jerusalem and, and the means by which women serve him. Uh, and so we see almost from the beginning the need for these prophets to stand up and keep alive the vision, keep alive the promises of God and the commands of God to the people of Israel. And in, and often that means confronting the powers, confronting the kings who were disobeying God and leading the, the nation in the wrong. Stand up and, and stand for the gospel, stand for the truth of God and his word. That's justice. And, and those, those are all themes that we as God's people should be supporting and be a part of, particularly as we live in a nation where... Uh, where we make those decisions, we the people are the ones who uh, who make that decision. It's what, how Jesus, how Paul the apostle, even in the New Testament, if they were preaching today, what would they say? Of course, they preached, and God's kingdom was established in a in a. Uh, it wasn't in a constitutional, and they were unjust and cruel and wicked emperors and rulers, and yet still they had to live out the the life of of uh, uh, God's people in those settings and uh today we we uh we live in a land where we if we have the the calling of God if we are willing to be uh God's people in this representative republic which means uh which means we got to vote and women wise men and women who know the Lord who are following after God's uh heart but also who follow after justice and righteousness and look, I was just at a political gathering. We have these the uh, midterm elections coming up. We have a month coming up here real soon. And I was at a meeting this last week, my wife and I were, about how we can help and take a stand to, for good, for God's principles, for the, for the laws of God and, and how God would want to guide us as a people, the values that, that uh, in fact, our nation was established on but w- that we've wandered away from and how we we have a part now and we part of our christian calling part of our calling as god's people is to be loving our neighbors ourselves and that means in a bo- democracy that means taking seriously the uh, and it is it is so amazing the statistics that we heard this last week about how tiny tiny little portion of our citizenry makes all the rules and elects the if God's people would take seriously our role to inform ourselves to pray as best we know and to uh and to vote make the effort go to the polls vote register to do it maybe that's something i wanted to get off my chest to you tonight as well as we talk to the time of second samuel kind of review what we read this last week and get ready then to finish it up and go on to the gospel of john this coming week don't go away the bible live will return in mere moments This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Coming into our final segment of the Bible Live program this evening, we're considering the mostly the book of Second Samuel. Now, the time of Samuel, as you remember, transitioning from the time of Eli, the, the priest, to the time of the prophets, the time of the judges, uh, all of the twelve, ending with um, uh, Samson, and the final of the, of the twelve judges, and, and then moving on into now the time of the kings, the monarchy, the monarchy. So uh, if you'd like to join with us, our phone number is 210 And trying to kind of help us get a handle on, on these stories, we're following now in the books of First and Second Samuel, the time of Samuel, of course, and then the anointing of and the selection and anointing of Saul as the first king of Israel, who reigns for 40 years. And then the second king uh, after Saul is uh, killed in battle with the Philistines. We have David comes on the scene who has been, he was anointed to be king of Israel 25 years earlier, but has just waited. He's been pursued. He's been hounded by Saul. He's suffered all kinds of difficulties, uh, even as he was courageously confronting Goliath, the giant of the Philistines, as he was doing and going about doing the right things and serving in the palace of the king. But uh, Saul begins to uh, chase him and persecute him. And so David has to flee for his life for many years. And some of the most interesting stories of Second Samuel had to do with David uh, fleeing. You know, one of the times he had, he was forced, to, he actually ended up being serving in the army of some of the Philistines but he would not fight against his own people, against uh, his the people of Israel, against the Amalekites and others, yes. Uh, and then at one time, he, they even got suspicious of him, and they were going to, uh, they wanted to get rid of David, the Philistines did, and he had to act crazy. He kind of had to foam at the mouth and let, dribble down, in, down his, on his beard, and, and he kind of had to act crazy to... to <laughs> to escape the situation. So he was not only a musician and a warrior, but he was evidently a, quite a good actor. So we'll have to take that into account as well about David. But from 1050 to 1010 is Saul, and then David reigns for seven and a half years over uh, Judah and Benjamin, and then after seven and a half years, he becomes the king of all of Israel and leads the nation to a time of greatness, a time of prosperity and wealth, uh, the golden years of the of the empire, the the um, uh, Israeli empire, and then David, and this is when we we David uh, then dies and passes, and his son Solomon, the fourth son of Bathsheba, becomes the king. Now, uh, before we move on to Solomon, though, um, I think I'd like to talk a little bit more about David and what he went through. What were the consequences of his sin? You know, we talked about the fact that he committed some terrible sins. Uh, I mean, very, and was confronted by the prophet of God. And I think maybe Franklin is on the line. I think he's going to help me help us tell us who are 
who are these people? Who was this prophet that confronted David about his sins? Uh, Franklin will fill us in on that. But I want to talk a little bit about what were some of the consequences of David's sin. He just didn't waltz away, dance away into the night. Uh, there were some... There was a price he had to pay for some of these sins, and we'll talk about those in a moment as well. But first, Franklin's on the line with me. Hello, my dear friend Franklin. How are you tonight? Hello, you fabulous soapy dollar. <laughs> God bless you and all your family, and may rain his blessings upon you. You are so kind, my friend. I'm from your... No, God is God's kind. I Thank just... you. Going along. <laughs> well, I appreciate it very much, and he is blessing us and keeping us and guarding us and uh, and forgiving what us when we get day out of he hand. Gave us, huh? What? What a beautiful day he gave us, huh? Oh my goodness! Yes, it's. Uh, I am wondering if it's going to settle down into a, a routine, though. That we'll have. Uh, can we get can we get a whole week of beautiful days in a row? <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather see some stormy weather with some rain. We sure do need it. Yeah, we do need that as well. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, okay. I'll take Let's it however he it. sends it to us for sure. You betcha. And be that's, thankful. That's whatever it is, that's the blessing that he's given us. That's right. That's right. Well, answer, and I'm happy with it. Answer some of our okay. questions. Who was this prophet and so on? Uh, well, okay. Let's, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Uh-huh. First of all, it was Uriah the Hittite. Yes. That was Bathsheba's husband and that uh, was sacrifice to David's ego, basically. Uh, and, you know, you, you should mention, too, that David tried called Uriah up first, and he wanted to get him to, uh, to spend the night with Bathsheba so he could say, well, that's his kid, you know. Yeah, that's right. But he wouldn't do it because he said, how can I sleep with my wife when my soldiers are in the field? Oh, my goodness. Uh, which, which must have been like a dagger in David's heart because here he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He thought he had it all rigged up and it was going to work, but it didn't work. But Uriah did not fit into his plan, did he? No. No, he did not at all, unfortunately for Uriah. He'd still be alive if it wasn't for that. And the prophet that confronted him was Nathan. Exactly right. That is. And And what was the story that Nathan used? He didn't just waltz into David's presence. He didn't just waltz in and say, David, you messed up. You did this, this, this. No. He told him a story. Yeah. Tell us that. He presented it to the king. Yeah. And he said, look, there was a a very wealthy man, and he had all these riches and flocks and everything. And there was one man, and all he had was a little lamb, and he loved that little lamb. That little lamb stayed in the house with him, and it was a real pet and everything. Well, the wealthy man had a friend come in from out of town, and so instead of using any of his livestock, he went and took that man's beloved lamb and slaughtered it for the feast, which also, you know, if you think about it a little bit, that's a, a little reflection on Jesus, too, you know. Yes, that it lamb is, that in was fact. slaughtered for the feast. Right, uh, but, exactly uh, right. But, uh, uh, you know, Nathan said, what should be done with this man, this wealthy man? And David said, well, he should die. You know, the utmost punishment should go. He should repay seven times over and and everything like that. And Nathan, and Nathan pointed said, his finger what? at him and said, you are that man. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. You're, You're the man, man that took his you know, one little sheep that the man had that he loved and cherished and everything like that, and that was Bathsheba. 
and uh, uh, so he 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 laid it on. But uh, you you did get a couple of things out of line. Okay. When uh, David first uh, for the Philistines, well, he went to Gath, and why he went to Gath, God knows, because he had. Goliath's sword with him, for one thing. Mm -hmm. He was the guy, and Goliath was from Gath. He was the big hero of Gath. So he comes in, and he's going to see the king, and he says, "Uh uh-oh, these people are looking at me. (laughs) A little funny. (laughs) I better get out of here. They're going to kill me for sure. So then he feigned madness. Yes. And he got away, and he went to the cave. And uh, his family came to him, and he gathered uh, 600 men, and they went around uh, doing things for a while until it got too hot for him in Judea, and then he decided to serve the Philistines. Well, what he did, he never said uh, that he wasn't going to go against the Israelites. What he said, every time that he went out on a raid, he'd go against the Amalekites or someone like that. Uh And then when when the king uh, asked him, uh, you know, where have you been? Who have you been raiding? And he said, oh, I've been hitting the south of Judea and everything like that. He always made sure when he made these raids that he killed everyone, man, woman, child, so no one could bear witness to him and, and bring the story back to the king. <laughs> so when the king was going to go up against Israel and they were going to have a big battle, and he said, come with me, David. And David said, okay, you know, me and my men, here we are. Well, the generals of the king said, we're not going to have this guy. He could turn on us in the middle of the battle, so send him back to Ziklag, right. which was the town he was living in. And, of course, when he got back to Ziklag, he found that the Amalekites, the Amalekites believe, had, raided the Ammonites mm-hmm. had raided it and carried off everything. And so then David was in a big – his men wanted to kill him. And so they went out, and, of course, God provided. He consulted with God. In every case, David always consulted with God as to whether he should do this or not. Mm-hmm. And and God gave him the answer. That was the difference between David and Saul. Mm-hmm. Saul would, you know, was one of those kind of guys that would uh, do the deed and ask forgiveness later. Mm-hmm. Easier yeah. to get forgiveness than permission, I guess, right? This well, is you, correct. I really do thank you for doing this. Now, I want you to point out a couple of things. When David uh, when David chased after oh. – go ahead. I, go, oh, the punishment. Yeah, the punishment no, he No, had, not he yet. Lost. Not yet. Not yet the punishment. Oh, okay. You talked about okay. him chasing the Amalekites from Ziklag. Uh, they yeah. raided, and they took his wife, and they took – Things belong to his they took men. everybody's wives, yeah, uh-huh. all their children and, and their livestock. And, well, some and it, of the men were so tired, he left them at the brook. Yes. And then the rest of the men, he crossed over, and they fell upon the Amalekites. And except for a few men, young men that escaped on camels, he, he got uh, everything, recovered the loot and then some, because they'd been raiding other places, too. And then he brought it all back. And when they got back to the brook, uh, the men that had went with him said, "Oh, these people—they stayed behind, you know, because well, they were, they were, they just couldn't go any further. They were faint." As well, and also the they they did fulfill a function by staying behind. They guarded, they guarded the supplies yes. and things that the the men couldn't take onto the battlefield. So they did that so they could move faster. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. And and so David, so now that's not going to be. We're going to divide equally between everyone, 
even the ones that stayed behind, and it's been a war in Israel forever since. Exactly. That, that, I think I wanted that to come out. That's an interesting little detail that is pointed out here in the scriptures in the context of all of this, uh, all of this uh, negotiating and seeing who's going to be the next king and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, we see this this principle established. Now then, let's do talk about what was the price that David paid for his terrible consequences. And and and, uh, and Nathan is the one who points this out to him that you know you yeah. you're forgiven. God is going to forgive you and, and will keep His word and promise to you. But there were four terrible consequences of his sin. And I appreciate so very much that you know the answer to these, and I, w- I want our listeners to <laughs> be inspired by you, uh, for sure, Franklin. Now, 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 the now the four consequences, I don't know if I can. One, there would be a plague. Two, there would be a famine. Uh, three, I don't remember, and the fourth one was against David, and David uh, took the fourth one. Well, no. Now uh, you're talking no, about the, no, uh, no. Uh, that's that's the wrong, wrong. I got that wrong. That's when that's no, when David yeah. asked for the census and wrongly asked for a census, that's and God right. says the consequences would be yeah. this. Well, I, the consequences of David's act with uh, Bathsheba was that the son, the, the child that was born, died. Yes, that's one. And I, I didn't I didn't realize that he had any other options at that time. I think that's just was the judgment of the Lord at that time. And it was later on that he had the options when he when he did the census. I never have got my mind around why he was punished for doing the census. Um, th- there was there was. It's not real clear. Yeah, they're not supposed to. They're, th- this census thing is a rather sensitive uh, area because remember, um, they only took a census when they were commanded to, and they're not supposed to reduce people to numbers and. Uh, so on. There's a number of things there, but it is a sensitive area yeah. that they were not to do. And even even Joab. Is that in Deuteronomy? Yes, it is. It is. There is okay. a, a reference to it. But even Joab, uh, his this general who's really, I mean, a great, effective general, but pretty cruel fella, uh, murdered oh, yeah. several people, in, including his son Absalom. Um, yeah, Absalom. Yeah, but uh, hanging from a tree by his hair. There's a there's a warning against long hair. <laughs> right. Well, Joab, <laughs> even Joab says, you know, we shouldn't be taking this uh, this census, and uh, he he recognizes it. But no, that was a different thing. This listen to uh, it's in chapter twelve. Nathan rebukes David and says, "This is what the Lord says: Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you." I will give your wives to another man before your eyes, your very eyes. He will go to bed with them in public view. And remember, that's what Absalom did when he rebelled against his father. That's what he did, yeah. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in sight of all Israel. And let me see, David didn't confess. I don't believe that was an option, though. That was what the Lord said he was going to do. Yeah. He says, um, the sword will be a constant threat to David's family. There would be mm-hmm. re- rebellion in his own household. Another man would publicly take his wives, and it gave God the consequence. It gave God's enemies opportunity to hate and blaspheme God, and that the baby would die. Those are the consequences. Yeah, five of yeah, them. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, yeah, but they weren't options. David didn't get to choose one of those. He got them all. Well, let me ask you one more. I, I, I okay. love doing this with you because you, you uh, <laughs> David's uh, Solomon was the fourth son of David. Uh, yes, and Bathsheba, and his name was not Solomon at the beginning. His name was Jedidiah. Do you know what yes. the name Jedidiah means? Oh boy! Now there's a poser. Uh, Jedidiah means nope, Sophie. I don't. It was possibly God's indication that Sol- to David that Solomon was to be his successor. It means beloved, beloved of the Lord. Beloved of the Lord. There you go. Interesting. And, you know, there was quite a bit of political intrigue about that because uh, yeah. David's uh, second son. Uh, got everybody together, and they were having a big feast. And uh, Bathsheba and uh, the high priest at the time, it wasn't Nathan, it was, who yeah, was that? A, a, a uh, different uh, priest that is yeah, mentioned. Yeah, a different yeah. high priest. Uh-huh. Uh, Abimelech or, or, no. I'm looking Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, they, they went to David, and David was pretty much out of it yeah. uh, by that time. And he had promised Bathsheba that Solomon would sit on the throne, uh-huh. that one of her sons would sit on the throne. So Sol- uh, David got busy, and uh, they uh, he proclaimed to Solomon to be, and they blow the trumpets and, and proclaimed him. And all these guys are having a feast saying, oh, long live the king. And all of a sudden, uh, uh-huh. we got a yeah. problem here. Uh, see you later. I and mean, Joab yeah. was involved in that too. Yes, indeed. Joab is is such a an interesting personality in the midst of all of these things. But he's a very effective commanding general, no doubt about it. Oh yes, there's no doubt about that. But boy, did he do some evil things and things against David's will too. Yeah, that's exactly. He right. kind of well, did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do, like uh, uh, k- killing Abner. Wow. When yeah, you yeah, know, because Abner had killed his son. Yep, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This, I'm so glad we got to talk about some of these things because really some of these details are what makes the book of Second Samuel, for instance, it makes it so intriguing because there's so much that we read about and about the right way to live, the right way to serve God mm-hmm. and so on. We That's all intertwined with, of course, the, the overriding our, uh, narrative of God's redemptive plan that is taking yeah. being fulfilled through this man David and his kingship. Uh, it, it's a and very intriguing uh, book and a very intriguing is. time. I can't help but think, you know, my mind is not around it. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I can't help but think that a lot of these things were uh, pro- prophecies uh, about uh, the life of Jesus to come. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's always in there. It's always part of the story. Franklin, let me take one other call before we end our okay. program this evening. All right. Appreciate hearing God from bless you. you and, I, and God bless that beautiful little grandchild of yours. Thank you, my friend, very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Let's go and visit with Janice real quick, just so we can take that call before the, our program is over. Hi, Janice. Hello, Soapy. This is your sister-in-law from Amarillo. Hey, my... <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't think rec- I'm the last... 
Right. Well, I'm glad you're there, Janice. I, you're one who this this woman, my dear friends here on radio, has has read the Bible through every year for the last I don't know twenty, twenty five, thirty. Hey, that's close. That's close. So be about twenty seven, going on twenty eight. Oh my yes. goodness! Yes, uh, I, I, so I couldn't. You should I be my co-host. <laughs> no. I could not get your uh, radio show tonight because my uh, my phone app wouldn't work. It just kept looping. So I think you were in in Samuel, weren't you? From Second Samuel, you're on the air Second right now. Samuel. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I I knew I was on the air, but I'm so sorry I didn't get to uh, hear you read. But I think that's just marvelous what you're doing. It just thrills my soul. I never get tired of hearing the word. Tell me what. Tell me what the the effect. What has it done in your life and with you? uh, Just quickly here to to read through to actually have the discipline. What do you do? About twenty twenty five minutes every morning, and you read. Is that how it works? And tell me, what what has been the major effect of that in your life, Janice? Well, it has kept me grounded, particularly these last, well, these last 25 years. Yeah. And... And and it takes a little longer than that, but I do it when I eat breakfast. So it, it it's not just exactly twenty five minutes. Uh-huh. It all total probably two hours. And Sophie, I never have to wonder how the day is going to begin, what I'm going to do first, because it is I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the word, and I look forward to it. And. Uh, it's uh, it, it's just grounded me. It, mm-hmm. it really has. Uh, well, I'm so, so proud so, of you. I hold you up as you inspire me. You inspire your little sister and my wife Suzanne. Uh, that is just uh, that is just wonderful. And I often think of you of what what is the impact? I, I mean, I've been reading through it every year now for about 20 years. Yeah. I don't read it actively like you do every day because now I have it recorded and it's on our it's in our program and our our website. But then going through the scriptures here on the radio with our listeners every year, it, and it's just God's word is so amazing. It's just so astounding that I, I that's the overwhelming effect it has on me. It's just the, the beauty, the power, this incredible gift that God has given us—a word from Himself. Uh, that we, yes, can, uh, we can know more. <laughs> and it is never, it never grows old. And no matter what, what is going on in my life personally or in the world, it is always applicable, always. Even COVID? And, uh, yes, particularly COVID. <laughs> particularly COVID, Wonderful. yes. Well, Janice, uh, thank yes, you so, for calling. I appreciate you. Yes, being... congratulations on the new grandbaby too. Oh yeah, I heard the last caller mention that. She's I a pretty gal. Wait. Oh, I know. Well, keep up the good work, Sophie. Thank you, Janice. Love you. Hello. Yeah, hello to Susie, and right. I love you all. All right. Bye bye. All right, folks, there's our music. We'll see you next Sunday night here, and we're going to the Gospel of John this coming week. I hope you'll read along with us and join us next Sunday night. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218.
Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.